Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? All right. Wait, wait, wait. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? You already know that I'm the rowdy Puerto Rican, right? You know, so it, it, you know, it reciprocates. You need to be loud. I get loud. It gets louder in here. That's how we roll. Um, this morning, as my wife said, it is Cinco de Mayo. And uh, for all of you who celebrate, let's eat a taco together. Actually, let's eat two tacos. Let's go for three tacos. I'm all for And if you hang around a little bit longer, there might be some leftover taco. It's a party. Either way, you win. All right? Um, before I jump into this morning's message, um, I wanted to share some cool news with you. We uh, just got these in. These, uh, they, they, came at, they came in on Friday. And um, for those of you who wear caps, whoever don't, you don't like caps, have, just tune out. Uh, but uh, we, uh, we just got these brand new hats to uh, South Hills, and um, they're on sale at the Connection booth. They're a limited edition. We are the only campus at this moment. Of all the 10 campuses, we're the only one to get it. We actually, uh, they won't see these until probably about two months from now, a month and a half from now, because they just saw these for the first time on Friday when I got them in, and they all wanted to place the order like I was a hat guy. And I'm not a hat guy, but I love hats. I love wearing caps. And they're on for sale. There's only 12 black, 12 grays. Uh, They're a leather patch in the front. It's a branded bill, and um, it's really cool. You can get them at the back. You see Frankie, but they, after today, I can't promise they will be here again. So if you want to get them, you can get them now, gray or black, uh, and it's cool just to represent some uh, church swag here at South Hill. So you can do that. But we are in uh, the middle of a series. Um, by the way, I can't wait for next week. I can't wait for my wife to, to, to step on here and, um, and, and share uh, a word with you. She has not uh, been on, she has not spoken or shared a word uh, a little over a year now, uh, a little more than a year. Uh, last time she did it, uh, she did it for Mother's Day uh, while we were in Puerto Rico, and uh, all the moms loved it. And she had, she did awesome. She did awesome. And so she's excited. She never really likes to speak, so we had to like barter. Um, you know, I said I'll clean the bathroom and things like that uh, to, to do it. Uh, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited that she's going to uh, be sharing uh, tomorrow, uh, next Sunday. And so please bring your mom. We got a lot of stuff happening for all the moms. Uh, we got a photo opportunities. We've got uh, little giveaways. It's going to be really, really awesome for all of the moms, uh, that are coming out. And so again, we are in week three of our series, um, Week three of our series, uh, Hope Rises. Um, if you're visiting us for the first time, my name is Efren Peña. I am the, the, the famous campus pastor here at Santa Clarita. I'm, I just, I'm not famous outside of the campus. Uh, but uh, it is my privilege and honor uh, to be here this morning with you sharing uh, an incredible word. We've, we've been going through an incredible series titled Hope <coughs> Rises. Now, 
When we think about hope, we all love hope, right? We all like the idea of hope. But what happens, what happens when the floor falls out from under you, right? When you find yourself feeling broken, when you find yourself feeling abandoned or even forgotten. Sometimes in life, we experience things, we go through things, uh, uh, we experience things like suffering and pain, and, and, and it doesn't really have a purpose. We cannot make the connections on why this is happening to us. So, so what do we do when, when we believe, right? We believe in God, we believe in Jesus, but, but we're also wrestling with, with unbelief, right? What do we do then? How do we address when we find ourselves in that situation? Can hope rise up in the midst of our pain? Can hope rise up uh, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst uh, of our chaos and, and confusion? And so that's what we've been talking about, hope rises. And so this morning's message is, what do I do in the meantime? What do I do in the meantime? Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever saved up money? Right? You ever saved up money because you wanted something so bad? You saved up all of your, all of your resources, your money, your piggy bank. You wanted something so bad. And yet it was so difficult to, to save that money. Right? You, you had to cut corners somewhere. You had to stop eating something and, and, and you had to sacrifice. It was, that was so difficult to do. And then when you finally get your money, right? You get all your money. You, you saved it up and you actually make up, you purchase it, right? And for some of us, we make purchases, and, and, and then you got to wait for it to be packed. You got to wait for it to be shipped, and you got to wait for it to be delivered. And you're like, man, when's that thing going to get here? You track it every day. You're trying, you want this, like, like when is it going to get here? And that part in itself, is you find it more difficult than just saving the money. It's that, it's that process of waiting, that process of like, when is it going to get here? When, is it, when, it, when, is it, when, I'm, when am I going to receive it? Right? And I think that that in itself is, is very difficult. And the question comes up, what do I do in the meantime between the time I get the package and the time I order it? What do I do in the meantime? One of the greatest theologians of our time Okay, he's actually not a theologian, but he's a musician and a, strong, a songwriter. Uh, he wrote an, an incredible things and said some incredible things about, about Christianity and people. He said, Tom Petty said, the waiting is the hardest part. The waiting is the hardest part. Now think about that. When we think about the things in life that we so desperately want, the things that we feel like is going to benefit us in some way, in some shape or some form, waiting for that to come is so difficult to do. Listen, the most dramatic part of suffering, the most dramatic part of pain and tragedy is the moment it occurs, right? That's the dramatic part, the, the moment, the instant it happens that pain can be excruciating and hurt, and, and hurt us really bad. But then what happens after, or more accurately, what doesn't happen after can be even more painful? What happens the day after you get laid off? What happens after the heartbreak? What happens after a loved one passes away? What happens after the separation? What happens after the diagnosis? You see where I'm going with this? That moment after, that waiting period, what happens then? 
You see, we wrestle with questions like, could I have done more? Could I have done something different? So what's next? Will it ever get back to the way it was? How? How will I ever move forward? How long will this take? All of the people that rushed to your side to be with you, to support you, to encourage you, after a couple of weeks, they leave. They're gone. They've moved on to their normal routines to do their life. And we're left still here waiting. I want to recap real quickly of what took place last week, right? We introduced Habakkuk, right? And he was a, he was a guy who, who was asking the tough questions, right? He was frustrated. He was angry. He was disillusioned with God. He cried out to God and asked the, uh, he asked these questions, right, the, uh, of what he was going through, of the pain and the hurt, right, and the evil that was going on around him. And in chapter 1, he asked the timeless questions uh, of God. He asked why. Same, same, same type of questions we ask God. Why? Habakkuk's, Habakkuk's name means to wrestle and to embrace. And we talked about last week that, that it's okay to, to, to wrestle and embrace God. It's okay to ask God these difficult questions. Questions that, 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 that you're still trying to get answers for. And Habakkuk, again, he wrestled and he embraced Last week, it was really an invitation for us to be honest with God about our anger, to be honest with God about our, about our pain and our hurt, our doubts and our frustrations, to bring these real questions to God, not to sugarcoat it and make it sound nice, but to actually be honest with him. I also want to remind you of the man and his demon-possessed son who came to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe. I believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief, right? So let's jump right into Habakkuk chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, let's jump right into Habakkuk chapter 2. It's on the screen. And it says, verse 1, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. I will head to the watchtower and stand at my guard post. Now, here's the thing. It is highly unlikely that Habakkuk actually climbed up into a watchtower, right? He used it as a symbol, as a metaphor. But why? Why did he choose to use this watchtower as a metaphor? Right? Because certain things happen in a watchtower. You go to a watchtower to watch, to wait, right? He went to the watchtower to wait. You see, the person's job was to watch. When you were sent to the watchtower, you were sent up there for one reason and one reason only, to sit up there and watch, to sit up there and wait. I know, not exciting, right? So your job was to go to the watchtower. It was not fun at all, right? Not a, 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 a place of action or of, of, of very much movement. It was just waiting and watching. They would watch for enemies. They would watch for friends coming along. They would watch for messages. It was just a place where you looked out, you watched, and you waited. Let me ask you this. Ever watched paint dry? So exciting. 
It's like the highlight of my life. Right, Lauren? Not at all. Not at all, right? There's nothing exciting about watching paint dry. And there was nothing exciting about being sent to the watchtower. It can be lonely and isolating, right? And this wasn't a team sport. You couldn't go up there and say, oh, this is my buddy. We're going into the watchtower. We can talk about it, play a little card game up there. No, this, this wasn't a team sport. If you were assigned the watchtower, you were generally by yourself. It was lonely up there. However, it was absolutely critical. It was highly important, that position. And though it was lonely and isolating, you had to wait. And for us, as, as just regular people, you, we, we have to wait in life. We have to wait. People want regular reports. People want regular updates. But sometimes there just isn't a report. In fact, usually there isn't anything to report. Sometimes when we go through difficult things in life, people like to ask us, hey, how are you holding up? How are things going for you? Are there any news? Is there anything, any new updates? But sometimes there just isn't. It can make us feel like we're doing something wrong because we don't have an update. We don't have anything new to share. But it is part of the role. It is part of the process where we sit and wait. So in chapter 1, Habakkuk, he unloads on God. He's asking all of these hard questions, the ones that some of us are too religious to say out loud. But he's embracing what he believes uh, God to be true. He's embracing what he believes the utmost of God, but also wrestling, also wrestling with the fact that what he's seeing unfold in front of his eyes, what he's seeing manifest right in front of his eyes is not cool. It's not good. He unloads all of these questions, and then he sits down in his tower, and he waits. He waits. Church, sometimes we we choose to trust God. We pray, and we call out to him, and it seems like he doesn't answer us, right? Sometimes we find ourselves waiting, and it can be incredibly difficult to sit there and wait for God to answer. It can be incredibly difficult to sit there and be lonely. It can be very difficult to even even drive you cocoa for Cocoa Puffs, trying to wait for God to answer. Right? Anybody with me? Been there? Done that? This morning, I want to touch on three things, three things that Habakkuk does that we can apply at this very moment in our lives, to help guide us while we're in this in-between. While we're in this in-between stage of, here are my tough questions, God. I'm waiting for your answer. So this, this little place of abyss, as you're waiting on God, I know some of you personally are waiting for answers from God. And so this, this speaks directly to you, all right? In the stages of life where you're going through disappointments, in the stages of life where you're going through some suffering, in the stages of life where you, you have this, this, this era, uh, aura of, of helplessness or hopelessness. Number one, we need to listen. Listen. Not hear. 
There's a, there's a big difference between listening and hearing. I hear my wife. But I don't always listen to my wife. And that gets me in a lot of trouble. There's a big difference. Habakkuk 2 verse 1b says, There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. We always, we always know what we want to happen, right? We always have this expectation of what we want to happen and what we would like for God to do. Listening to him is an active step of trusting him. When we listen, we're actually telling God, Lord, I'm trusting you. I know what I want, and I know what I want to hear. But the truth be told, I want to listen. I want to listen to what you have to say. And I'm trusting you. When God is silent, it doesn't mean that he's absent, church. When we can't hear him, it doesn't mean that he can't hear us. We need to trust that God is moving on our behalf. We need to trust that he has heard our complaints. We need to trust that he's heard us when we have spoken about our hurt, our pain, and brought about our tough questions to him. For many of us, a lack of patience and the noise in our lives keep us from hearing what God says. Some of us are just way too busy. Our minds are going one, you know, we're going so fast and we don't want to wait in the watchtower for God to speak. We don't want to sit there and listen to what God has to say. We ask questions, but we don't even wait for the reply. You ever, you ever, you ever walk by somebody, right? Somebody, right, you know them, not know them. You say, hey, how you doing? Right? And you keep walking. Don't you ask me a question. You asked me how I was doing. I, I was going to tell you it was going really bad for me, but you just kept going. It's a courtesy thing. Why do we do that? If you ask the question, hey, how are you doing? Then sit there and wait for someone to reply to you. Don't be rude. And God is asking, you brought this to the table. You brought me your complaints. You brought me everything that was wrong, everything I'm not doing that you want in your life. And then you just leave. You didn't wait for me to answer you. If God could come out and put a hand and grab you by the neck and sit you down, all of you will have neck problems. <laughs> and sometimes when God answers us, we just don't like the answers, so we ignore it. Ouch. Right? Because we have this idea that the best answer, the best solution, the best way to do it is my way, not God's way. And so if, if God's answer does not match up with what you want to hear, talk to the hand. Right? Because I don't really, that doesn't fit. I needed this right here, right now, not when you wanted to give me God. My kids do the same thing to me. Did I tell you that all my four girls are here this morning? It blesses my heart. Yeah. If you're going to clap, clap. Don't, don't just give me a courtesy clap. Yeah. So that, that means a lot to me. 
Sorry if you got offended, but that's how I speak, all right? My kids do the same thing to me. If they don't like my answer, if they don't like my reply to their question, they pretend like they didn't hear it, all right? Or they, they ask again like I didn't hear the question. And even worse, go tell mom, quick, quick, go ask mom. They go around the corner and, I, and they whisper. They, like these big things don't work. I can hear. I don't live in a mansion. I can hear exactly that. Lots of Christians pray, but it tends to look more like they're reading off of this God to-do list for him than it does listening for what he has to say back to us. So how do we how do we practice this? How do we get better at this? How do we apply this to our lives? How do we walk out of here and say, man, I need to listen to God, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you something here. We need to learn to, to listen and wait, church. We need to wait and listen, listen and wait. Specifically set out some time to listen to God. Maybe it's three minutes in the morning, right? Maybe it's ten minutes at night before you go to bed. Maybe it's, it's an hour once a week intentionally carve out some time to listen to God. Some of, we're too, some of us are just in a rush. We pray, I pack on prayer, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, amen, see you later. And you keep going. Some of us would be like, Lord Jesus, at night, I love you. I need more money. Carve out some time, intentional some time, put away some time where you can sit there to listen and wait. Wait for God's voice. Number two, number one is listen. Number two, we need to write. That's why we give you these little cool little papers so you can flip it on the other side. Not for you to put your gum. Actually, you can put your gum in there, fold it at the end. You can do that as well. But it's there for you to write down notes. Right? Habakkuk 2 verse 2 says, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer. Write my answer plainly on tablets so that are, not, not these, right? A tablet, right? You can imagine. Bing, bing, bing. Now, write my answer plainly on tablets so that, a, so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This is such a key thing for us in our lives. When God shows up, when he speaks, when he interjects, when he answers prayer, we're so thrilled. We're so excited. We're so caught up in the moment, Right? Praise the Lord, God answered, God spoke, God said this to me. But it's only a matter of time until we forget because of all the chaos in our lives. It's only a matter of time. When, when, we, when we write down what God says to us, how he answers our prayers, the way we've seen him provide, the way we've seen him show up in our lives, it becomes something that strengthens us for the future. You see, when God answers, he's not just answering for that particular moment in your life. He's answering for right there and for tomorrow. You see, church, if we don't write it down, our current pain steals the past experiences from God. When we don't write down what God has spoken, when we don't write down what God has done in our lives, then we, we're going to get caught up with the busyness. We're going to get caught up with all of the hurt, all of the pain that's happening, and we're going to forget that God answered us a while back. We're going to forget the miracles that God did. We're going we're gonna to sidestep that because we're so caught up in the moment that we're living that we forget that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we need to write it down. 
We need to jot down, man. I remember on, on, on May 19th, this is what happened. This is what God did. I remember back in January 29th, he said this to me. And I'm going to hold him to that. Because God's words never come back void. His promises are yea and what? Amen. The other thing we see in Habakkuk verse 2 says that, I mean, is, is that sometimes what God says to us isn't just for you. Some of that liquid gold that God is speaking into your life is for you to share it with someone else. In fact, he's asking you to share it for so-and-so. He wants the message to be able to be communicated to others. So how do we apply this, this writing part in our lives, right? We listen. How do we apply the, to, to write this stuff down? How do we make it practical? We have to learn to write it down, church. Write down what God says to you when you read the Bible, right? Write down what God says when you listen to a sermon, whether that be from your favorite pastor here. Why, why are you laughing? I thought we were good, right? Write down what God says when you look at creation, when you see something incredible unfold right before your eyes. Write down, write down something that God speaks to you through, through your worship time. I guarantee you God's not wanting you to play karaoke. I guarantee you, as much fun as you like karaoke, he's not wanting you to play karaoke. He is hoping that something changes, something unfolds in your life, something tugs at your heart during worship. Write it down. Get in the habit of writing it down. Number three, we need to wait. Listen, write, and wait. Habakkuk 2 verse 3 says, this vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Some of the, you need to write this scripture down. That's what you need to do right now. Take a picture. This is incredible stuff. Here's the thing humans don't like waiting. We don't like waiting. We never have and we might not ever like waiting. In fact, being a human being in 2019, this is probably the hardest thing to do for us in this season of life. Check this out. We used to have restaurants, but that took too long. So we made fast food restaurants. But sometimes we don't have time to go inside of the fast food restaurants. So we created drive throughs But you know how, how times drive throughs the drive through line is way too long? So yeah, so we created an app on your phone so you can order your McDonald's before you get there. So now you can order your food, pay for it, pick it up, and eat it without having to waste one precious second waiting for anything. Now, that's pretty incredible. I don't like shopping at stores. So I, I order everything online. I like ordering stuff online. But I will not order anything online if it doesn't arrive in less than two days. <laughs> Amazon Prime is my life. 
I love Amazon Prime. They take my money. And I gladly give it to them. Why? Because I don't got to wait. I don't got to wait. Truth be told, Amazon Prime has ruined me. And church, this isn't the only place in Scripture that talks about the importance of waiting on God. Psalms 27, 14 says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. And there are countless, countless of other scriptures. Just Google it. Waiting on the Lord. It'll come up, right? Friends, waiting is an action, not an apathy or lack of interest. Waiting is actually an action. You see, we often think of waiting as inactivity, but as someone who believes in God, to wait is to do something very, excuse me, very, very important. Waiting is an expression of faith, of being open to God and his action, being open to God and his voice and his will and his answer. Being patient speaks volumes in your relationship with God. To wait is to be patient, which literally means to suffer or to be acted upon rather than acting, to be receptive to the actions of others. To wait and to be patient is to trust that God is at work even if we can't see, even if we can't understand what God is doing. Church, God's timing is always, always perfect, even if it doesn't feel like that to you. Pastor Greg Rochelle said this, if it's not God's time, you can't force it. When it is God's time, you can't stop it. If it's not his time for you to get something, for you to have something, for you to do something, stop trying to force it. Because when it is your time, When it is your appointed time, you cannot stop what God is about to do in your life. God always answers our prayers. Sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, and sometimes it's wait. Just wait. Sometimes we think we want an answer, but what we really want most, what we really desire most, is actually the presence of God in our lives. You see, so many things happen when we are in the presence of God. God is able to do so many things when we are actually in the presence of God. Healing comes in the presence of God. Peace comes in the presence of God. Joy comes in the presence of God. So many things happen when we are in the presence of God. It's like that kid who's scared of the dark, right? What he or she wants most isn't a nightlight. They don't want a nightlight. What they want most is to know that his or her parents are close, that his or her parents are right there, that their presence can be felt in the room. So when their kid is telling you, can, we, can you leave the door cracked a little bit? Can you turn on the light? What they really want is, Mom, can you stick right there? Can you stand right there? Can you lay down right next to me? Because I need your presence. Because it is in your presence where I feel peace. It is in your presence where I rest. It is in your presence where I am most filled with joy and love. So we listen, we write, and we wait. But regardless of the outcome, here is the key to this process. Verse 4. 
Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous, the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. The proud, what do they do? They trust themselves. But the righteous, they live by faith. They trust God. We don't put our trust in ourselves, on our talents, on our ideas, on our own strength. We don't put our trust in a certain result. We put our trust and our faith in God. When you have the most difficult questions, when you're going through the most difficult times, find yourself in a place where you put all of your trust, not 30%, not 50%, not 75%, all of your trust and your faith in him. Church, our faith isn't just tied to the result we want. Our faith has to be tied to the character and the goodness of God. In other words, we need to trust God that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need to trust and rely on him that he not only listens to us, but he actually wants to answer our prayers. We need to trust that his answer is all that we need. We need to trust that he's going to come through, that his reputation speaks for itself. It's saying, God, I believe that you can fix this. But if for some reason it doesn't happen the way I want it to, it won't ruin my faith because it's tied to you, not to this thing, not to this answer. You see, when you tie things back to the very presence of God, to the very being of God, to who he is, you can't be disappointed. Because, again, his promises Speak clearly to who he is. Tim Keller says, if it happens, if happiness is the meaning of life, then suffering destroys your meaning. If you're all about trying to be happy, things are going to get rough here for you. It is one of the most challenging things for us. Because sometimes we mistakenly attach God's goodness to how well our life is doing. So if we're living like the Joneses, oh, God is good. God is, woo, God is working it. But what if you're not living like the Joneses? If you're the Joneses, I want to meet you, though. What if, what if you still got a lot of questions? What if things are, are difficult for you? Do you attach it that only when things get better is God real? That only when you feel like, well, you're moving on up, that God is actually moving in your life? What if God has something else to say for you? What if God has something different for you? Will you not trust him? Would you not believe in him? Faith is what allows us to suffer and struggle but also to rest in the confidence that a larger story is is actually unfolding in and through our lives. Faith is the anchor that roots us to the truth of God's goodness in the middle of unexplained suffering. No matter what I see, no matter what I feel, I choose faith over and over and over again. Whether I'm confident or full of doubts, I choose faith. Mark 9, 
verse 24 reminds us, Lord, I believe, but help me. Help me in my, in my unbelief. Some of you received last week a, a sticker, a little static cling that we gave out. If you didn't get one, there should be one on your chairs. It's just like that. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's just a reminder for us that we're human, that though we believe in him, sometimes our faith is a little wobbly. Sometimes we have doubts. Sometimes we, we don't quite get it. We cannot see the finished product. We cannot see to the end of the finish line there. And so there's little, little stickers for you to, I have it on the back of my phone, right? I have it on the back of my phone because I always need charging. And, 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 and it's just a reminder for me. Lord, I believe. I truly believe. But sometimes I need you to help me in my unbelief. Sometimes I have doubts. Sometimes I have questions. Sometimes these, the things that I'm going through are very difficult. And I need to be encouraged to keep my faith. I don't see how healing is possible, Lord. But I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring it to you. I don't see how healing is possible, but the, but, but the Lord can, can bring, bring back People from the dead. I'm losing hope, but there is always hope in God. I'm hurting and afraid and stuck on this, this stupid watchtower, right, by myself waiting to, to see what's going to change and what's going to happen in my life. I don't necessarily see it at this precise moment, but I know that God is with me. Hebrews 13.5 says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Church, hold on to that. Because some of us are going through some difficult times. Some of us have some serious doubts in our lives. Some of us have friends that are going through some hard times. And God is saying, man, I need you to help. I need you to keep the faith. I'm going to wrap this up here. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. It says, if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will surely take place. Church, I don't, I'm not going to pry in your business at this moment. I'm not going to ask you the difficult questions, but I will ask if you're here this morning and you're going through some difficult times, you're here this morning and you got some serious questions for God. You're here this morning and you have some doubts whether he's real, whether he hears you, whether he understands what you're going through. I want to pray for you this morning. You see, Christianity, being a Christian is not, not an easy thing. And we don't, we don't want to go through the motions. We don't want to pretend that everything is good. Fake it till you make it. Nah. I ain't with the fake it till you make it. I believe trust him till he comes through. 
My faith is not on my strength. My faith is not in my gifts and my talents and my, my handsomeness. My faith is not in what the bank statement says. My faith is in the one who created me. My faith is in the one that said, man, you are wonderfully, beautifully made. My faith is in the one that said, I am a masterpiece. My faith is the one that calls me good. My faith is the one who's able to take my sins and do away with them, no matter how small or how big. So if you're here this morning and you got some stuff, you got some anger issues with God. Actually, you have some anger issues with life. You're asking God these questions. You're looking for answers. Would you allow me to pray with you? We're not going to do a kumbaya and everybody hold hands stuff. But I'm going to ask you to just stand up with me this morning. Come on, everybody, stand up. I'm going to get you out. Tacos are almost ready. But here's the reality of it all. This is the truth of it all. I cannot be the only one going through some things. I cannot be the only one that has some tough questions for God. I cannot be the only one that wants to be real and frank and, and Bobby and Billy and Mike with God. I cannot be the only one that wants to cry before God and say, Lord, do something, man. I need you to step in. I need you to take over. Why haven't you taken over? What's going on? What have I done wrong? Is it you? Is it me? Why do I hurt? Why am I so confused? I need you to lead me, God. I no longer want to be lost. I no longer want to be confused. I no longer want to go through the hurt and the pain that I'm going through right now. I need you to step in, God. I need you to intervene, God. I need you to be God. I need you to be real. I need you to be honest with me. I don't want to go through the motions anymore. I don't want to fake this anymore. I need you to be who you said you will be. I need you to be real with me, God. Church, I cannot be the only one that feels like this. I don't understand it all, God. I'm not even trying to understand it all. But can you talk to me? Can you share something with me? Can you give me a little, a little ounce, a little taste of what, of why, or who, when? Because what I'm going through is real, God. And everybody's talking about how awesome you are. Everybody's talking about how, how what you can do and you're real. But I need to feel it right now. I need to know that you are real. I'm hanging on by the last bit of fiber. Can you do something for me, God? Can you show yourself real at this very moment in my life? I cannot be the only one, church. I know there's some of you out there. Some of you asking for healing. Some of you asking for peace.
Some of you asking for some love. Some of you asking for some joy. From direction in your life. So let's pray. Let's pray together and believe as one body. And if everything is good, and you got no questions, and everything is good, and God has answered, that's awesome. But there's people around you that need you to step up and pray for them, to stand in the gap for them. And that could be a family member, that could be a loved one, that could be someone you don't even know in front of you, behind you, left and right of you. But let's call down and ask God for His mercy for his grace, for his peace, joy, love. And let this hope rise up inside of us.